Amen. Can we clap our hands to the Lord tonight? Amen. He's good. He's not good some of the time. He's good all the time. Amen. He's never lost control. He's never lost power. Amen. Even in our bad times, he's still in control. The Bible says my times are in his hands. Not just the good, but my times are in his hands. Amen. I trust him. And in that song, you give and take away. Amen. I'm reminded of the story of Job. Amen. As he's given the reports of everything that he had lost. The Bible says that he fell down upon his face and worshiped the Lord. Amen. That's the attitude I want to have. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, amen, he is still worthy of the praise. Amen. Everything that he's done for me. Amen. I'm so happy to be in the house of God today. Amen. God has been so good. He's never failed. Amen. He's never forsaken us. Amen. I'm glad to be here today and give honor to your pastor. I know they are out doing the work of God and ministering and, and visiting with family. Amen. We wish that they were here, much like you probably do as well. But we're thankful that, amen, there's a church that when the pastor goes away, it doesn't just fall off the hinges. Amen. But things just keep on moving. Amen. And we honor and thank, are thankful for that today. And sometimes you say, no news is good news. And maybe not having anything really to tell the pastor that anything went wrong is good news. But I think having some good news is good news. Amen. Amen. And I, how wonderful would it be for a report to go back to your pastor and say, we just had a Holy Ghost blowout tonight. Amen. People were healed. People were touched. People were encouraged. Amen. 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 I want to give honor to my wife and children that travel with me full time. Amen. Many say that I was called to do this, and she just gets drunk along, but I believe God, God had called both of us to do this hand in hand, and I'm thankful that she's with me and my two girls. Amen. Thankfully, they took after, after her, their mother and not me. Amen. Because they're pretty and beautiful. Amen. I'm honored, so honored to have my mother with me today from the state of Washington. She flew in today just to hear me preach. I'm just playing. No, she's, she's here visiting, getting to spend a little time with her granddaughters and with us, and we're so thankful for that. Amen. We, I appreciate everything that she's done for me. Amen. Amen. Changing diapers, but even beyond that. Amen. Washing my clothes, even beyond that. Amen. But raising me in the house of God. Amen. And if you have a mother and father that are here today that have brought you to the house of God, you ought not be upset that they drug you to church tonight, but you ought to be thankful that you have a mom and dad that are living for God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Amen. So oftentimes we can allow church to become just normal. If we're not careful, we can let the songs that are sung and the words that are spoken become just another noise in our world. Amen. But I, I want to be a, a tune. Amen. God chose through the foolishness of preaching. Amen. To save those that believe. Amen. I want to, I want to focus my mind in. Amen. I, I spent a lot of time right where you are. And, and, and I'm, I would be happy to switch you places anytime. 
But, amen, preaching has a way of helping us, has a way of challenging us, has a way of building us up. Amen. And God chose this way. Amen. Amen. And I want to hear, I want to hear what God say, is going to say tonight. Amen. Romans 4 and 17, it says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. So speaking of Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth this, those things which be not as though they were. Speaking of Abraham again, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he is about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But verse 20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory unto God. He was not considering his own circumstance, but in all the promises of God, he was just giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was all able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. To whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Abraham was given a mighty promise. If you look through your Bible, one of probably the, the greatest promises that God ever gave to man. That you would be numbered like the stars of the heaven. Your seed will be numbered like the sands of the sea if they could be numbered. But there was... A struggle. There was a day in and day out fight to believe in the promise of God. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Contending for the promise. Contending for the promise. Can you lift your hands toward heaven? Can you ask God to bless us in the remainder of this service? God, we love you. We need you today. God, we're asking for your power. We're asking for your house today. Oh, come on, could you lift your voice on a Wednesday night? Amen. I know we've worked. I know we've had a long day, but God, amen, God wants to hear from his people. God, we praise you. We worship you. We honor you today, God. We're not slack, Lord, in our desire for your promises. God, we're not, we're not haphazard, God, but we want this. God, we want everything that you have promised us today. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing today. You may be seated. Abraham is given this promise by two angels that appear to him. And he is told that you will be the father of many nations. Amen. And he began to no doubt look around himself and look maybe in the corner where maybe a toy box would have been. And he looked around and he did not see a crib sitting in his living room or in his place of dwelling. And then he began to no doubt struggle with this. No doubt flesh began to creep in and say, how in the world am I going to become a father of many nations when I have no child of my own? We know that Sarah had a hard time comprehending this 
as the Bible says, as she laughed on the other side of the tent wall as this promise was given. Amen. She struggled so much with this promise that she tried to take the, the, how the promise was going to unfold into her own hands. And she sent in a handmaiden unto Abraham. But Abraham was not weak in faith. Amen. Each day, no doubt, was a struggle. Each day he woke up and Sarah was still not with child. Each day he woke up and there still wasn't a crib in his living room. Amen. Each day he woke up, uh, there was still no evidence of the promise ever coming. Amen. But the Bible says he was strong in faith. And in spite of everything that said the promise would not happen, he just gave glory to God. This promise trickles down from Abraham to Isaac and from Isaac to Jacob. And we know as Jacob is changed in an encounter with, amen, with God, with the presence of God, he becomes Israel. And Israel is given, amen, their, their, their 12 children become 12 tribes. And they become the people, the chosen people of God. And they go to a place called Egypt. And we know the story. As they are taken in, uh, they are taken in in a place in a time of famine, and they are given uh, sustenance. and And Joseph's there on the scene, uh, orchestrating everything. But Joseph passes away, and, and a near new Pharaoh comes on the scene, and he begins to he begins to get a little concerned about how rapid the children of Israel are growing. He can see he doesn't know maybe per se the promise of God that was given to them. But God's promises begin to unfold. And God's promise that they would have children, they would be numbered. And the, and, the, and the ruler of Egypt got a little nervous and said, these people are growing too fast and they are, they are multiplying too greatly. And we're, we're concerned that if, if they team up with a, another nation or someone on the outside, they can overcome the people of Egypt and overcome the throne of Egypt. And so even though there's a promise and the promise begins to unfold, uh, they begin to think, well, maybe we might become the, like the sands of the sea. Maybe this promise that God gave our forefathers, it might just come true because we're growing and, and, and we're having more children. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, put to death every firstborn boy of the children of Israel. And all of a sudden, they have to begin to struggle. How are we ever going to fulfill the promise of God? When Egypt is killing our babies. How are we ever going to fulfill the promise of God. When it seems like the promise is being taken out of our hands. God promised Israel deliverance from Egypt. And it was 400 years. And 10 plagues before they were ever set free. God promised Israel the land of Canaan. Yet they struggled with that promise. And they wound up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. God promised through the prophets of the coming of a Messiah. And then there is 400 years of a prophet not being raised up to speak to the people. Jesus promised his disciples that he would not leave them comfortless, yet he goes and dies on a cross and is buried in a tomb. God promised that power would come at Jerusalem. And after he's taken up, after being with them certain days, it was 10 days after that promise that the Holy Ghost was poured out in an upper room. As Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, he said, this is that which was prophesied or promised by the prophet Joel. Amen. Many historians say 500 to 700 years before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
You can see with every promise that God gives, there is a struggle. There is a faith that has to come uh, into play. There is a there is a contending to say, I don't know if I'm going to see it today. I, mean, I don't know if I'm going to see it tomorrow. But if God promised it, it's going to happen. And I'm going to keep on believing in spite of obstacles, uh, in spite of the problems, uh, in spite of Egypt killing our babies. Uh, amen. I'm going to believe in the promises of God. The Bible says his promises are yea and amen. Amen. That word amen is not just something we get to say while the preacher's preaching. But that word amen being defined means so be it. I know you can just you can go ahead and take that to the bank. It's going to happen. So be it. His promises are so be it. Amen. It's going to happen. If God speaks, uh, if God moves on a man of God to speak, uh, amen, can I tell you, you just got to buckle your seatbelt and believe because it will happen. At times, though, we have a hard time comprehending, a hard time believing in what God has promised. He speaks to us through a pulpit. He speaks to us through a man of God. And we have a hard time receiving it because we feel like we know ourselves and our circumstance better than God does. And we say, God, you don't understand. That promise was given, but not. it can't be for me because I've got this that weighs against it. And I've got that that doesn't line up. Amen. This world and the enemy of our, and the enemy of our soul will try his best to take our promise away. Just think of what the world has done to one of the promises of God. He said, Noah, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. And it's going to be my promise to you. It's going to be my promise to mankind that I'll never destroy the earth by flooding it with water again. But you see, as the world has reached them and said, that's not God's promise. That's our idol. That's, that's our that's our symbol. We're going to put it on our cars and we're going to parade it down the streets of our cities. Amen. Do not let the enemy take your promise away. Do not allow the enemy, no matter what doubts and what fears he speaks in your ear, even if he sits on your pew next to you in a Pentecostal service and says there's no way that can happen, you just believe in the promises of God. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 1 says that Elisha, said, hear ye the word of the Lord. This is not God booming his voice out of the heavens, but this is a man of God under the influence of the Holy Ghost speaking the word of God. Amen. Can I tell you that they, God has always had a plan, and the plan has always been a man. He came as a man to his own. Amen. Every time that he wanted to speak to his people, there was a man that would speak to the people. Amen. Can I tell you, God's plan is not to lead you in a different direction than your man of God. But it's to lead you through the voice and the mouthpiece of the man of God. He said, hear you the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. They were surrounded. Their supply chain had been cut off. There was no money being exported and goods being imported. They were cut off. And we give this man, the Lord on whose hand the king leaned, we give him a hard time. We talk pretty negatively about him. But he was the man whose hand the king leaned upon. 
He saw all the numbers. He saw all the people, amen, that had starved to death already. He saw the economic situation. He knew firsthand how bad it really was. And so he answers the man of God. And he says, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. We know the story is there were four lepers on the outside of the city that went into the enemy camp. And the Lord hurt, made them hear a sound of a mighty host. And they came in and they found the enemy camp laid before them with food on the, on the fire and, 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 the, and the donkeys tied and the horses tied and everything there. Amen. Ready for the tanking. And they, and they go to the porters of the city and they call the king. And the king said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to appoint the Lord on whose hand I lean to have charge of the gate. And the people... When they heard what had happened, they got excited. It was like Walmart on Black Friday. They started pouring out the gates of the city. And the man whose hand the king leaned upon was trampled and trod upon in the gate. And he died as the man of God had said who spoke when the king came down to him. And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king. The man simply had too hard of a time believing Amen. Because he knew what he saw. He had a hard time getting the promise of God and the information he had in his head to line up and become fact in his brain. Amen. So many times we're given a promise through a man of God that preaches under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And we say, do you know what? I would go to the front and I would receive what God has for me. But I've got, I've got this against me. And, and I really don't know if God can do that because of this family circumstance. And I don't know if, if God can save my kids, you see, because they said they hate the church and they hate the men of God and they're in prison and they're strung out on drugs. I just don't know if this thing can be. This man did not believe. He doubted the very spoken word of God through the man of God. He scoffed at the promises of God. Can I caution you today? Don't scoff at God's promises. Don't just blow them off like they're just something that you can take for granted. Amen. When God promises something, it ought to be something we grab a hold of with both hands and say, I'm not going to let go until I see this happen. I'm not going to let go until this promise uh, comes to pass. This promise was supposed to be a promise for him as well. It was supposed to be for all the people who dwelled in the city. It was supposed to be a promise of provision and prosperity. But because of his unbelief, it became a promise of not receiving and never seeing the good things that God had planned for him. Matthew 13 and 58 says this. One of the most powerful scriptures that I, I, I come across in the Bible. Because here we have God manifest and robed in flesh. All things he had put under his feet in heaven and in earth. And the Bible says in Matthew 13 and 58 of Jesus, it says, And he did not many mighty works there. It's not that he didn't have power to. It's not that he didn't have authority to. It's not that he was lacking in ability. But it was because of their unbelief. 
It's amazing to me that my unbelief can take me out of a mighty work of God. It can, it can take me away from receiving a miracle and receiving a mighty work that God wants to do in my life. But instead, we ought to take the attitude of this man, this father that comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verse 21. And it says, and he asked his father, Jesus speaking to the father that brought a child that was vexed with a spirit. He said, how long is it ago since this came upon him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. First off, he approached Jesus the right way. He didn't approach saying, I have this all figured out. He didn't say, hey, I, I, really, I really would like some time, but you know what? We've got a specialist that we're going to go to. But he came and said, God, have compassion on me. Amen. Can I tell you, God will never turn away a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Someone that says, God, I don't have anything. God, I just need you. God, I need your help. I need your compassion. And Jesus said unto him, if you can do one thing, if you... If thou canst believe, Old English, I'll say it in New English, if you can just believe. Because all things are possible to him that believeth. Oh, Brother Boggs, but you don't know my, no, no, all things are possible. But Brother Boggs, you don't understand how bad it is. No, all things are possible to him that believe it. I know the devil wants to lie to you. I know your flesh wants to say there's no way. I know this whole brain right here wants to say there's no way that the promise of God can fit with what I see. But all things are possible to him that believe it. And I love what this man responds with. And straightway, the father of the child cried out, and said with tears, Lord, I believe. And so many times it's, it may be easy for us to grab a hold of the promise in a service where faith is. And where the preacher's preaching. And we say, yes, you know what? In spite of the odds, I believe. But he doesn't stop there. He says with tears, I believe. But help thou my unbelief. I believe the father, had, the father had a revelation of if Jesus doesn't heal him right now, I know unbelief's going to creep in. If I wake up tomorrow and my child's still vexed with the spirit, God, I know that unbelief's going to raise its head. And so, God, I believe, but you help my unbelief because uh, I know it's going to be a hard time. Uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to believe in the promise of God when it doesn't happen the when I want it to. And we just see, when, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit and said to him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he, is, he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. God, I believe. But help me to still believe even if I don't see it. I believe there are so many people they have not seen the promises that God has given them because they've given up on the promise. They stop fighting for it. A promise of healing will come across the pulpit and they don't get it that night. And maybe they'll hang on to it for a few services and they'll come and they'll come on a, on a, Monday, on a, on a Wednesday night and they'll come on a Sunday. 
for a couple weeks. But after a couple weeks, the devil says, see, you're not going to be healed. And they stop coming in faith. I'm thankful that I had a mother and father that believed in the power of prayer. I may get all these, I have these details in my head, and she'll probably correct me after church. She's the only one who gets to correct my preaching. Amen. But I was four years old. I was going to have open heart surgery. I had a, de a deformed valve in my heart. They called it stenosis of the valve. One of the valves in my heart, from my recollection, was deformed almost completely closed and would not allow blood to flow properly in and out of the heart. And they had prayer, service, after service, after service, until it was the week or maybe even the day before the surgery on a Sunday. They said, God hasn't healed him yet. They could have said, well, surgery's tomorrow. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. Let's just go home, get, it early, get early to bed because we got a big day of surgery tomorrow. They said, one more time, we're going to go to an altar. And that night, there was prayer that was made over. I, I don't believe it was explosive. I don't think it was probably any different from any of the other times that the elders of the church came and prayed. But on that Monday, I believe it was Monday, being prepped for heart surgery, the doctor said, I want one more x-ray before we go in. Being so young, we want to make sure that we do everything right. They wheel me back in the room after the x-ray is taken. And the doctor comes in with two charts. And he said, this is the one from several weeks ago. And this is the one from today. And they're not the same heart. The condition had reversed itself. And I, I remember the story being told that he said, I don't know how this happened. I'm sorry. And my dad said, I know how this happened. God healed him. And the doctor said he had to have. Because there's no medical or scientific way this could have corrected itself. Amen. I'm thankful that to the very last moment, there was someone that was believing in the promise. Help me to believe when the situation you promised would be resolved seems to get worse. Help me to believe even when things around me say that it will not happen. Help me to believe not just with my mouth, but help me to believe with my actions. Believing looks like coming in on a midweek service after getting another bad report, but still worshiping God, still running the aisles, still shouting, still praying. Out of friend, him and his wife, they were neighboring in a neighboring church. They were, they were very closely in working with the youth group. And we had got together and got to be good friends after seeing each other at youth rallies and going to dinner every once in a while when the time worked out for both of us. And they didn't have any children. And they're a few years older than my wife and I. And the doctors had told his wife. Um, that because of scar tissue, I believe it was endometriosis, something like that. Maybe I'm getting the wrong one. My wife walked out. She usually helps me. She nods. But she had so much scar tissue. And they said that there's no way, there's absolutely no way you can have a child. That adoption is your only, op only option to have a child. They got that news and they were in a dark place. Some other things had happened in their life. And I remember my friend telling me we just, we just had, to, we had to go somewhere. It was a Friday. 
And they'd both got, I think he had got off work early and she was home. And he said, honey, let's just, let's just go to that youth conference. It's a couple hours away, three and a half hours away. Let's just go. Our church is there. We just need to get away. They go to the church service hoping the preacher would preach something to them specifically that would help them. And it seemed like to them that he didn't say anything that, that really was pointed to them specifically in their circumstance. And the altar call had wound up and the host pastor got up in the pulpit. He grabbed the mic and he went to say something and he put the mic down. And they said you could see he was struggling in his mind with what was, on, what was in his heart. And he picked up the mic again. He said, I don't know who you are. He said, but God just told me to tell someone that your baby's on the way. They felt like that's us. They gathered around with their family that was there and they prayed for many, many, for many minutes about this. And they received it. And then the time starts ticking. And a year goes down the calendar. Still no baby. And they're battling with, with doubt about the promise of God. They felt like this was for us, but we don't have a child. And a man came through, an evangelist came through their church and preached on faith and preached on proving God. The husband said, okay, I'm going to start proving God. He said, we're going to have a baby, and guess what? I want a little girl. And I believe God, amen, if God's going to give us a baby, that he's going to give us what we want. He said, in fact, every paycheck... On Friday, on the way home, I'm buying a little girl's dress. And I'm hanging it up in the room that we're going to have for a nursery. In fact, we're going to paint the walls purple. And we're going to go ahead and be ready for a little girl. Amen. It wasn't too much longer after that. They had filled up that closet with baby clothes after several months of buying. Uh, and she went to the doctor just for a routine checkup. And they said, I don't know how, but you are pregnant. And if you were to meet them today, you would see a little girl about the age of six by the name of Ava. Can I tell you, if God promised it. It will happen if we just believe. But if we don't believe, we'll never see what God had promised. Joseph fought for his dreams. The dreams that God had given him. The promises that God had given him. He fought for his dreams in spite of loved ones that despised him. In spite of being thrown in a pit. In spite of false accusation and a prison cell. In spite of uh, those that he asked for help forgetting about him. Amen. Even in all those things, he did not forget what God had promised. And can I tell you today, in spite of how tough it gets, you hold on to the promises of God and you fight for them. I know, I know it's so easy to come in on a Wednesday night after a long day of work and say, well, that promise uh, was two months ago and I'm just too tired to fight for it. Hey, but you got to fight for the promise of God. God knows he's got it figured out, and it's up to me not to have any doubt. God gets it. He's got a perfect plan, and it's up to me to leave all in his hand. God has this one. He's got it performed, and it's up to me to be transformed. God's got this. He knows my future, and it's up to me not to take a detour. God knows my times are in his hands, and it's up to me just to do what he commands. God did not expect for you to figure out the promise and how it was going to work on your own. But with Abraham's promise, he knew the struggles were going to come, but he already had it performed. 
with Joseph's promises. He knew all the things that Joseph was going to go through, but he still had that promise performed. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Usually we begin reading at the first part of this scripture. But I want to read beginning with the promise that God gives. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That promise from God is predicated on a small two-letter word, yeah. if. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Can I tell you, we play a part of seeing God's promise in our life. Amen. If we'll fight through the doubt, if we'll fight through the fear, if we'll fight through what circumstance tells us, if we'll fight through what family members tell us, and we'll just say, God, I don't know how and I don't know when, but I just believe that you can fulfill your promise. Come to the music. God speaks things that are not as though they were. And so we have the responsibility to believe in things that are not as though they were. What does that look like? It looks like a family from my home church who were told your child's not going to live past the age of 16. It looked like them coming in, not with their bottom lip dragging the ground, not complaining, but it looked like them coming in and the father's still getting on the platform and playing guitar. It looked like him feeling the Holy Ghost unplugging his guitar and running around the aisles with it. It looked a lot like the mama of that child. In spite of, in spite of the bad news, in spite of every time they went for dialysis, another bad news. It looked like her standing in the front in the altar area during worship service and dancing and shouting. If anyone could have said, you know what, I just don't feel like doing that for a few months. After getting a report like that, it would be them. No one would have faulted them for not running the aisles. No one would have faulted her for not dancing. But because I really truly believe because of their faithfulness, because they believed in the promises of God, because they believed that God was able to heal, they kept coming to church and they kept believing. And if you were to go to my home church today, you'd see a young man by, by the name of John, about 32 years old, that the doctor said will never live past the age of 16. Fighting for the promise doesn't look like sitting on a pew with your arms folded when the Holy Ghost is moving. But fighting for the promise is saying, do you know what? I don't feel like it. I don't have, maybe my brain says I don't have any reason to, but still, blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Acts 2 and 38 says, and Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he said, For this promise is unto you, and unto your children, and to all that are afar, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's awesome. We've gained a promise. But then he said, with many other words, he exhorted them and said, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. What do you mean, save myself? He gave the way for the promise to come. 
you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you obey and you believe in that promise, you're going to be saved from an untoward generation. But it's got to take you saving yourself. Sometimes we wait on God to bring the promise. And we wait on God to save us. And we wait on God to heal us. And we wait on God to take care of the circumstance when God's waiting on us to believe. God's waiting for us to take the leap of faith. God's waiting for us to step out of, a, of an aisle and walk to an altar and say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I believe it can happen. And the lame man stretched forth his hand. I like what the Bible says. His hand was lame. It was withered. But the Bible says he stretched forth his hand as the other. He stretched forth his hand just like he did the hand that was whole. He stretched forth that withered hand, not, not saying, well, here it is. I'm just going to give a little effort. But he stretched it forth like the other one with all faith that God was going to heal him. We've got to come to church, and we've got to stretch forth ourselves to, to align with God's promises. We've got to keep on believing. We've got to keep on expecting it. In this day and age, with everything being so, so close to hand, with money assistance and social assistance and food assistance and everything being so accessible, it's so easy for us to walk in without expectation. But we've got to keep expecting Him. Oh, well, the doctors are taking care of it. They've got me on this and they've got me on that. No, still expect it. Still keep believing. I, I hope today it's driving home to somebody. God has given you a promise. You, you know right where you're sitting, and you know the words the preacher said, and it struck you right in the heart, and you said that had to be for me because that fit my circumstance too well. But you've given up on that promise because it hasn't happened yet. Hey, man, it's time that you pick up some weapons and start fighting for that promise. Start believing for that promise. Come in and say, God, I'm going to dance like that promise has happened. God, I'm going to worship you like that promise has been fulfilled. I'm going to fight for this promise. I'm going to contend for this promise. But Brother Boggs, you don't understand, we've been promised revival. And instead of gating saints, we've lost saints. Instead of growing in number, we have throughout the years maybe whittled in number. And so we just don't, we just don't see how this revival and this harvest is going to come. Don't let that you don't see it keep you from desiring it. Because we don't walk according to what we see. We don't walk by sight. Too many people walk by sight. They walk by what they see. But we ought to walk by faith and not by sight. So I walk in faith even if I don't see it. I walk in faith even if I don't, if I don't see it in front of me. I wonder if we can stand all across this place. I believe it's time for us to receive and see the promises of God. And all it takes... It's for that scripture to be reversed. And said he would have done many mighty works there. But he did not because of their unbelief. That scripture should have read, he did mighty works there because of their belief. I don't want to be a church 
I don't want to be a saint. I, I don't want to be a young person or an adult or a parent that goes through life and never sees the promises of God and never sees mighty works of God done in our life because I refuse to believe. Because I was too comfortable. I was too comfortable. And, and believing challenges me to move. Believing makes me put some action in. I don't want to go through life never receiving the promises of God because I refuse to get out of my comfort zone. But God, I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to believe radically. I'm, really, I'm willing to go above and beyond. I'm willing to worship God in spite of. I'm willing to jump even though I'm in pain. I'm willing to dance even though I'm in pain. And I remember a service, amen, where the pastor went to a lady that had back pain that could barely walk because she fell during her pregnancy. It had been about two years with this back pain. Amen. I saw her. She was a young lady, probably in her, her mid-20s. Amen. That she walked like an, an elderly person. And that night I watched as he laid his hand on her head and I watched as she began to shout in spite of the back pain. In spite of. And I remember being in that service when the report was given after church that God healed her of her back pain. There's no pain. There's, there's, there's nothing. She feels like she has a brand new back. You've got to press through what this brain tells you. And you've got to believe in the promises of God. I wonder tonight if there's some people that say, you know what? I've left a promise laying. It's got some dust on it that I'm willing to shake the dust off of it. And I'm willing to grab a hold of it and start believing again. I wonder if you're that individual, if you would come to this altar in the close of this service and say, God, I'm bringing this promise back to life. Uh, and I'm going to believe like I've never believed. Uh, I'm going I'm to have faith like I've never had faith. I'm going to believe with all of my heart. Amen. Could you come tonight? Come on, as they begin to sing, can you begin to cry out to the Lord? Come on, if you don't have anything specific, why don't you cry out for revival? Come on, why don't you cry out, uh, amen, for those that are in this congregation, uh, amen, that need a touch from God. Come on, can you lift your voice? Go ahead. Hallelujah. God, we praise you. to reach out today, Lord. God, we love you. Oh, come on, could you lift your voice? Come on, how bad do you want it? Come on, how bad do you want to see it? Come on, how bad do you want God to work on your behalf? Come on, how bad do you want to see your children back in the house of God? Uh, and then how bad do you want to see that healing? Uh, how bad do you want to see that promise come to pass? storms may come and the winds may fall, remain steadfast, and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness, 
age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true, though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I'll praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to Setting same, I will praise your. 